0: This is a message, I, I, I spoke about this with your pastor, and I, asked, I was asking a little bit about um, what kind of message he thought would be good for you. And this is a message I actually gave to my own church back in September, and I actually worshiped with you. My wife and I came here in, in the month of May. It's a little colder in January, isn't it? <laughs> right? And we worshiped with you um, in the early part of my sabbatical. So around, um this summer, I got a sabbatical, I had never had one before, so it's a strange thing where, like, a you know, you're a pastor, but Sunday wakes you wake up on Sunday and you're like, whoa, you know, I'm not preaching today. I'm just going to go receive, and that was wonderful. And um, we spent three months in Korea. I'm, I'm Korean American, and, and my wife, um, I asked her, "What do you want for um, your sabbatical?" It's your sabbatical too. She didn't hesitate. She's she doesn't know a lot of her extended family. Um, and so she said, I, I want to meet my extended family. I said, sure, let's do that. And so we spent three months in Korea. And I gave this message right after I came back. And I'll talk a little bit about what I saw when I was there. I think it's relevant to today's message, okay? <laughs> so let's get right into it. Um, this is part of a series that I called Better Than Gold out of 1 Peter chapter 1. And it's called More Than Money and Earthly Glories, okay? More Than Money and Earthly Glories. And the passage today, I don't know if you're one of these, you can open up your phone Bible, okay? Uh, if you'd like have it in front of you, but we'll project it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9, and then we go down to the bottom of the chapter, verses 22 to 25, okay? This is the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy... Focus here. Um, This is where we're going to sit in today's message. Verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, That's uh, verse 9. Let's jump down, just just for the sake of time. Uh, It's a chock full of theology, incredible stuff, chapter. But for the sake of time, we'll go down to verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of god for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass the grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the lord remains forever and this word is the good news it is the gospel that was preached to you may the lord bless the reading of his word um i'm a little uh I'm nervous is the right word. <laughs> um, can you mind if I pray? I don't usually do this right before I preach, but let's pray. Lord, we pray that um, people's heart would be soft and um, your word would be preached faithfully. I pray that um, I would become less and you would become more, Lord Jesus. And um, And I pray that whatever I preach, it would truly lift you up, and I pray that if I say something foolish, (laughs) it'll be forgotten. But if I say something that is true and real and um, points to the glory of God in you, Lord Jesus, it could not be forgotten. It would stick to the minds and hearts of those who hear. It would convict them by the power of your spirit. And um, you would draw them toward your glory, not any of man's glory, and certainly not mine. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Three points, or three parts anyway. Three parts. Part one. Greater than money. I came back from my sabbatical, and I went right after my church. (laughs) And uh, I asked your pastor, what do you want me to do today? And he said, go after my people about this. Greater than money, all right? Part two, which glory do you seek? You're all glory seekers. If you're a human being and you're not dead, <laughs> you're seeking a glory. Which is it, all right? Part three. The everlasting glory of God in the gospel, okay? The everlasting glory of God in the gospel. Let's go to part one. And this is what it says in verse six. Now, I, I, you know, when, we're listen, when I'm reading this, I'm going, oh, there's really incredible stuff. It's before verse six. And I wish I could preach that. But uh, let's be focused today. And this is what it says. In this you rejoice. In this So let's just stop there for a moment. What's the this? The this is what's in, let's just, in verse 3, and I'll just read just just quickly this part. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In this you rejoice. Do you? I hope that is what you rejoice If you are a born-again believer in Christ, you at some point in your life, you realize you need the redemptive work of God through Jesus, you know that that proclamation right there, that's the gospel, that's the good news, that he did for you what we could never do for ourselves. And I hope that's where you rejoice. That's where it starts. In this you rejoice. But then it goes on to say, though now for a little while, if necessary, You have been grieved by various trials. Ah, (laughs) You know, um, you go to church on Sunday, and I hope you hear a good message. In this church, you probably regularly hear a good message. Ulysses is pretty good, okay? And uh, he's very faithful to the scripture, and I hope that's why you come, all right? But then on Monday, um, things don't go great at work or in your love life or somebody in your family is ill, And maybe very badly ill. Or, um, you know, maybe you're one of these people, you were born, and um, maybe your dad was a kind of depressed person. (laughs) And so you somehow got that gene, or it's just in your heritage. And so that's part of your trial, you know. It's uh, sunny on Sunday in your heart through Jesus, and you rejoice. But on Monday, it's dark and it's cloudy, right? And so we have various trials. And there's all kinds of trials. Um, you know, it is life in the fallen world. If you're not a Christian, and you know, you're not sure what I mean by that, what we're saying is the world was made good by a good creator And you experience that goodness all the time. Right now, I mean, it's raining, but, you know, we live in a drought place. So that part is actually good. And then all kinds of wonderful things are going to bloom, and you'll experience that goodness, but it's fallen. And so then we experience the cloud, and not just the clouds in the sky. We're talking about in our hearts, and you have trials. The trials can be from the outside. The trials can be on the inside. And so... Where is this thing that we're always looking for? And that's the question I really want to ask you today. Where is the rejoicing? Where is your source of rejoicing? And so it goes on. And this, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. And that's, sad to say, that's life. If you always think it's going to be sunny to sunny, It's going to go, you know, victory to victory to victory to victory. And if it's not happening that way, that maybe God doesn't care for me. That's not true. It is simply not true. Actually, in the times of trials, you'll probably, that's where you need the gospel the most. That's where you'll begin to realize that's why God really especially cares for you deepest. Not when everything is going so wonderful and you think you're so great, all right? But. here it goes on. Verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, and if you've been a Christian for a while, your faith will be tested. <laughs> and I hope you'll find out that if it's genuine, you're like, how do you know if it's genuine? <laughs> um, I won't go too much into this, but when you hit the trial and you break apart, um, there's this little voice, maybe in the back of your mind, <laughs> that Jesus still loves you. <laughs> maybe you curse God because you're like, "Wasn't this supposed to turn out good?" Maybe you're not real. Maybe you got five friends, or you're on a really bad, you know, social media thread, and it starts to really go around. You know, you ever heard of this term, ex evangelical? Right? I, there's a, apparently there's a term called ex where some famous Christian. Decides that now they're going to go to the dark side and tell everybody that Jesus is fake and that Christianity is bad. So they now evangelize anti-Christianity, right? And so maybe you end up kind of in a trial in your life and you end up in that social media thread. And then for a year or two or five or 10, maybe you hate Jesus or you think you hate Jesus. But if there's still a little voice crawling in the back of your mind, that voice is God who's saying Jesus still loves you, And if your heart goes there, your faith is genuine. See, it's not about how good you are. <laughs> Probably your faith is gonna be bad. And it's gonna fail at some point. It's not the quality of your faith. It's who your faith is in. It's the quality of the Savior that your faith is in. You hear me? It'll be tested, though. And here we go. That the tested genuines of your faith... More precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. (laughs) More precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the hope. That here, you have this faith in the gospel. That's where you rejoice. And that will come out of you And when Jesus returns, people will say, yes, that is how it played out in this person's life. So let me ask you this question today. Is your rejoicing actually in you being born again through the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus, as in verse three? Or is it more precious than Gold, is it actually more precious than gold? What's gold? What are we talking about here? And you guys all know, we're ta- actually, I had a visual the last time I did this. Um, all right? Okay, I'm, I'm not that rich, so this is only a $20 bill, all right? Is it this? Okay, I'm really old, so like money looked like this when I was young. Okay, most of you never touch any of these things. You're like, ooh, that, that might have a disease on it. Don't give me one of those, okay? And so... Um, but you know your money might look more like this, right? It's not a gold card, it's just just a regular card. Okay, but maybe it looks more like this. And um, and today, you know, on Sunday you come to church and you hear this thing called the gospel. It actually says, "Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice inexpressibly, <laughs> inexpressibly," as the passage says. Um, But where does the actual rejoicing happen? And um, I want to talk about that because this is a city where, come on, let's all get really, really real here now. We all know where the rejoicing happens in this city. It's in this, right? It's in this. Maybe it's wrapped up in your car. (laughs) And if you drive like a Toyota Corolla, it's not that much, right? (laughs) But if you drive a Tesla, whatever, (laughs) That's closer to gold, right? So what we're talking about, what we're talking about gold is back in the, you know, back in this Roman times when the Romans ruled the world, they actually had their money backed by a little piece of yellow metal and then, you know, that's what the money was. Today, we don't, we don't even bother with that. It's called fiat money and it's backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Okay? And that's okay until it's not. <laughs> and at some point, guess what's going to happen? The U.S. government's going to go bust. It's, it's, it's coming, by the way. <laughs> it's coming, all right? Um, we are abs- our government is absolutely incapable of not incurring debt. And then we're going to go bust. And then guess what's going to happen with this? you just going to start away. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk a little bit about um, what I experienced this summer. I got to go away from my city. I'm from here. I love this place. And uh, it's, it's pretty intensely worldly, isn't it? And I went to a whole other foreign country. I mean, it's my native country in the sense I was born there. But it was foreign to me because I'm American. And um, a lot of parts were kind of familiar but still foreign. And I went to Seoul. And for three months, two out of the three months, we spent it in the city of Seoul, it's one of the truly great cities of the world. It's an absolutely gorgeous city. And, uh, and so how do I describe it? If there's a city in your country that was basically New York City <laughs> and Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. and Silicon Valley, and it was all wrapped up in one city, that would be Seoul, <laughs> okay? That's what Seoul is like, okay? Every glory of the world, all the most talented people, their 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 drama industry, their music industry. Some of you probably listen to their music, right? And uh, you know their politics, their money industry, and yes, their technology industry. You know, you go around certain. They have they, they have startup places just like we do here. It was really interesting, this place where I went and I was like, oh, what is this? This is a startup incubator, and it looks a lot like here. You know, like people from there came here. You go to this building that doesn't look all that interesting, but in that cubicle over there, somebody's going to become a billionaire, right? And they're doing the same thing there. And um, it's a fantastic city to go to if you have this, right? Because there are restaurants everywhere, and they are, It almost all tastes good. It's crazy. (laughs) Because the competition is so intense that if you serve bad food, you will die. (laughs) And what's another thing that's really weird is literally almost on every block, there's coffee shops. (laughs) And so apparently, um, Seoul is the most caffeine-addicted city in the world, (laughs) And, you know, caffeine, I don't know if you know, is that that's, that's the world's most fa- um, favorite drug, and soul folks love it. And um, why do they love it so much? And I kind of thought about that, too, because it's absolutely crazy. There's actually a lot of coffee shops in our city or out here, Sunnyvale, Santa Clara, wherever you happen to live, right here in Silicon Valley, but it's nothing compared to, like, over there, okay? And I, when you really think about it, um, it's because coffee... Can be sold with margin. You know what coffee costs there? About the same as what it costs here. You know what folks make over there? Not any much near what people make over here. They're paying $5 for a cup of coffee or sometimes six, but they make way less money than you. So they pay bar prices <laughs> for coffee, so that's how people make money. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I was hanging out with my cousins, and, um, and he, this was summer. <laughs> and this was supposed to be during the time when the kids are out of school. They get about a month off in the summer. And he has an 11-year-old daughter. And we had to, we met up for dinner, and, you know, uh, and he said, oh, yeah, my daughter is on Hagwan. Some of you guys know what that word means? Okay, I don't know if you're Korean. You might know all that word. But maybe if you watch K-drama, you know what that word means, okay? Um, Hagwon is the Korean word for after-school academy. And I asked him, I said, what? What, what are you talking about? Isn't she 11 years old? <laughs> Why is she in after-school academy? And he just looked straight at me, and he was like, yo, uh, he looked, he's like, it's totally like the way it works here in Seoul, man. I go, when does it start? So this is how it works in Korea. Your kid wakes up in the morning, like 8 o'clock or 7.30 or whatever, and they go to school. And the school ends. And then you know what they do? Then they go to school again. <laughs> the first school is free public education. The second school, you pay private tuition. Almost everybody does it. And... I asked him, when do you start doing this? <laughs> and he said, uh, in Seoul, probably when you're around seven years old. Seven years old. I, and, I, and I looked at him, and I didn't say what I was thinking. I was thinking, are you absolutely bonkers stupid? <laughs> Why would you send your seven-year-old girl to school after school? That's crazy talk, right? completely normal. Because a lot of you in here are of East Asian descent. I think you guys can relate, right? Maybe some of you grew up in school after school. I, um, I live in Cupertino. My children all took piano lessons at a place called Kwan Academy. That's what a hagwan is. It's an after school academy. It's run by this, this wonderful, she's actually a Christian, her name is uh, Diane Kwan, and Diane Kwan offers violin lessons and piano lessons and all this stuff. My, that's what my kids went for once a week for a piano lesson, but you know what else is there? How to get, you know, beat SAT tests and AP scores and write excellent essays, and apparently there are kids there when they're really young, but they don't go there for five hours, In Seoul, the kids get out of school at 2.30 or whatever, then they go home for a little break, and then they go back to academy, and then they make it a dinner break, and then they're there till like 9 o'clock, and then they study. (laughs) At least this is what happens when you get to high school. Now, maybe when you're in junior high, you go home and you go to sleep at 10 o'clock. But when you're in high school, then you get out of academy, then you study till 1 in the morning or 2 in the morning then you do it all over again. What's it about? It's about this. <laughs> because if you do not get into an X kind of college, you will not have a nice one of these. And how can you live in this city if you don't have one of these? And if you don't get into some great company or great college, then apparently this is the joke in Korea. <laughs> you open up a fried chicken restaurant. <laughs> Because apparently, uh, fried chicken and coffee is a bottomless market for it, and the margins are large. So how you make money? It is an intensely worldly city, and you are reminded all the time that everything is about this. Seven-year-olds know their life is under the lordship of this. Seven-year-olds know this. Right. And it, like I said, if you have some, I'm on vacation, and I, have a, I had American dollars when the exchange was really good, so I was like, wow, I'm a pastor, but I actually feel kind of rich. That's really weird. Okay, I'll, Yeah, just, just, buy that. We'll just buy that meal. That same meal in Silicon Valley cost $30. There, it costs $6. Oh, yeah, let's splurge. Yeah, get, You know, we'll push it up eight dollars. My goodness, we made a lot of money, right? But if you don't have that, you're opening up a coffee shop. The people who work in the restaurants—they don't live that kind of life. You know how many hours they work? Long, long hours. Long, long hours. Just to barely put food to table, hand to mouth, right? Now, I want to ask you this question. You got all the people in the city, some make it. And they're driving all the nice cars, and they wear the nice, and you know they're the ones you see in the dramas, etc., right? And then of course we all have the American version of it. And so when I went to you know Korea, I was thinking like, I'll get away from America, I'll get away from Silicon Valley, it's a totally different culture. It'll be great. And then I went there and I wandered around the city and I said, this is really weird. (laughs) It's a very different city. The food is different, (laughs) all right? The culture is different. The weather is different, but it's the same. (laughs) That's how I felt, it's the same. I looked at the young people in the city And as much fun as I was having getting to spend my American dollars (laughs) at Korean prices, every day my heart was breaking for the kids. (laughs) I'll tell you one other thing before I go to part two of my message. Um, I met a pastor out there and he told me, he said, you should go to some of the Korean churches and see what it's like. He's from America so he knows what it's like from here. And I said, he said, why? He said, because um, the churches are in big trouble. <laughs> I said, oh really? I thought Korea, you know, Korea was a hotbed of Christianity. And um, I, you may, I don't know if you know this, but roughly Korea, the, the demographics say 25% of the country is Christian. That's an incredible statistic, considering that like about 60, 70 years ago, it was probably single digit percentage. So one out of four people in the country say they're Christian and it's not like here in America where some people say they're a Christian, but they're completely not a Christian. When they say they're a Christian in Korea, they're probably a real, actually a Christian. So I actually believe that statistic, one out of four. But he said, that's not what it's like for the people under the age of 25 or 30. It's probably closer to three. <laughs> Went out from church to church to church. He was right. Except for some of the really large megachurches, Church after church did not have young, you see a church like this? You just, you don't, you don't really want, you don't generally see it. You don't see it, especially in Seoul, where all you guys are young and like, you know, it's great. I love seeing you here, but you won't see it. And I asked the pastor, um, a guy who was like a season, he did youth ministry for about 15 years. And I asked him, is this happening And and he said, well, I can't can't really tell you. He was in one of the most famous churches in Korea. He had youth ministry for 15 years there. And he goes, and I can tell you what I've seen. So he has a pretty interesting perch from what he's seen. And I said, is that true? And he goes, "Eh, we saw it in our church. And I said, what do you think? What is going on? And he goes, well, I don't exactly know what's going on around the country, but I'll give you my opinion. He says, even the elders... You know, the elders are supposed to be among the the most godly people inside the church, right? He says the elders' kids, they stop out of church when they get toward high school so they can study. (laughs) In Silicon Valley, it's not quite as intense as that. What I see is um, there's everything else when you get toward college. There's there's baseball practice. There's debate team. (laughs) There's violin and, you know, like I was violin. I was in the orchestra, right? Um, And it just crowds out church. But apparently there in Korea, the kids, the parents just say, it's okay, just drop by church. They just know the kids will come back when they go to college, right? But they don't. (laughs) They don't. And all of those activities, they have the same college rat race as we do. You have to have all the activities, right? We all know what this is about. It's about this, right? And what I saw was it's a city that's utterly enslaved, and it's really quite destroying its young people. And it's setting up their young people to become money slaves when they're 22, 23, 25, 27. And that's the question I want to ask you today. Are you like that? And the asset test is the rejoicing. Is the rejoicing where your career is going well, your college is going to, you know, what's in the bank account, how nice of your car you are, where you shop, all these kinds of things? Or is it that you have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus? That's the question I want to ask you today. Okay? That was a punch in the head, I know. (laughs) Let's go to Part two. Which glory do you seek? Now maybe for some of you, you're like, come on pastor, that was, that was, okay, that was heavy hitting, but that's not really my problem. (laughs) I'm not really into money, and I think I can honestly say that. Is that you? Now if that's you, I would probably say, you know, like, I won't make you do this, but like, if we could do this, like, you know, I, I kind of of a, 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 like a sociologist mentality. I like the data. <laughs> if we could actually take this room and say, which of you don't think you fall into the money enslavement, money, love, rejoicing category, some percentage of you would, you know, like, I'd say, move you to the this side of the room. And then, like, I would say that. And then I would go, yeah, like, half of you, at least, are probably lying. So just go back to the other side. <laughs> right? Right, so just, you're just lying to yourself. Even if you believe it, I mean, give, me a, give, give me a break, all right? But for uh, some percentage of you, a relatively small percentage, I would my guess, it's actually true. Which glory do you seek? Um, let's go to this passage. Let's go to verse, let's drop down. I read that bottom portion for you. Let's go to verse 24. This is a great passage. And if you don't know it, you should memorize it, <laughs> okay? And I'll help you as you think about this question of rejoicing. Verse 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. <laughs> the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. It's actually a quote from Isaiah chapter 40. It says, you all flesh is like grass. In your house, do you guys save the grass? Do you hoard the grass? <laughs> You're always checking your account of how much grass you have. Do you do that? I doubt it, right? Because what you do, I mean, I don't know. You guys probably live here. You probably live in an apartment. But maybe you grew up in the suburbs and you had to mow it. Right? I had to mow. I hate mowing the line, okay? (laughs) And you know what you do with the grass? You know, it all collects on that thing, and you throw it away. But here's what it says, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. (laughs) Like the flower of grass. How good is the flower of grass? It's so good you throw it away. (laughs) All its glory, all the glory of the flesh is like the flower of grass. Um, One of my best friends, he's an atheist, he's like one of my closest friends in all my life. We've been friends, you know, close buddies since college. And, um, you know, he, I know, it's not about money. (laughs) It's not about money. He makes pretty good money, but he generally has a bad haircut. (laughs) And he probably buys his clothes from Target. And he drives an affordable car, which he keeps for a long time and he doesn't really care about where he goes on vacation. You know what his glory is? It's music, right? Not K-pop, okay? Uh, he likes Bach. <laughs> he likes Bach and Beethoven and occasionally Brahms. He likes the bees, right? And like, if that's kind of a nerd I am, we talk about that. It's one of our regular conversations. But you know what his glory is? It's that. What's yours? So maybe it's not money. Since I'm the preacher. I should, like, uh, be a little bit more forthright. I'll tell you what mine is. I'm not a money guy either, (laughs) okay? I'm not a money guy either. Um, You know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on something. Sociologists and psychologists have studied this. Have you ever heard this thing called diminishing returns? You hit a certain amount... And then you don't need, it's like more and more and more on top of that doesn't really give you better joy. You ever heard that idea? Well, that's how it is in money. You hit a certain amount, and then if you get a million dollars more than that, it doesn't really give you that much more joy. If you get a hundred million dollars more than that, it doesn't give you that much more joy. And sociologists actually studied what that number is. It's like somewhat above the median. (laughs) That's what it is. Probably in this city, the median, I don't know if you know what the median income is in the city. It's like probably in Sunnyvale, it's about $140,000. It's one of the highest in the country. So in this city, if you want to hit that, like it's probably about $170,000. So if you live in Sunnyvale and you make more than $170,000, you've already passed a diminishing return. Did you know that? Did you know that? So if you get another million dollars, you won't get that much happier. So I'm just letting you know that. That's the science. It's true, So I know that, and I already don't care about the money. But I'll tell you what I care about. Knowledge. I'm a nerd. And if you come to my house, you'll see a lot of books on the shelf, and it's driving my wife crazy. (laughs) So now, since I don't wanna drive my wife crazy, I buy my books on Kindle and if Amazon goes belly up I will cry (laughs) right just like you know if uh, our house burnt down and I lost my MacBook I wouldn't care but if my books burn down I will cry (laughs) because I care about knowledge you know Every day you wake up, whatever there is that thing. My, my buddy, he wakes up every morning, and he is like such a happy clam because there's this thing called Spotify, YouTube music. When we were in college, we would go to like Tower Records and look for CDs. You guys know what a CD is? You know, it's that weird, like this is very, 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 you know, primitive thing that would spin around and give you music, okay? We would look for CDs, and we'd look for very special recordings that you just couldn't find. Today, you just go on Spotify, boom, it's there. And if it's not on Spotify, it's on YouTube. <laughs> so he just, happy as a clam, and every day, he's like a kid in a candy shop just by going onto YouTube. You know what I did all summer long? <laughs> well, I didn't do it all summer long because it was over. At Early in June, I watched the NBA finals in Seoul. That was really weird. I was thinking, my warriors... Are in the NBA Finals, and I'm in Seoul. Why am I not watching this at a sports bar in Cupertino, <laughs> or at least with my buddies or something like this? Because when I'm tired, you know where my little rejoicing goes? I watch a basketball game, it's always a Warriors, pretty much, okay? And when Steph Curry takes a 35-foot shot, I, I go, I go like this, <laughs> and when it swishes, I go, oh! <laughs> and this rejoicing happens, whoa! <laughs> this little rejoicing happens. And I wanted that to see that in the NBA Finals. Any of you guys, any you guys Warriors fans here? Anybody here? Yes, 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 please, yes, 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 good. The rest of you, I don't know what you're doing, okay? So in game four, in June, my favorite player in the whole world, Steph Curry, who, who's a brother, by the way, he knows Jesus, right? That's not why he's my favorite player, okay? But that, that's a bonus. It's a bonus. I mean, he, he could be an atheist and he'd still be my favorite player, right? But it's a bonus, okay? And he had, you know what happened in game four of the NBA Finals? The, the grass of his flower bloomed to like the greatest thing could, you could possibly ever bloom, the glory just went doom It exploded. And even in soul, I could feel the glory. It was like, like I'm looking at my iPad. I'm like screaming my head off. And then, and then the grass withers. <laughs> That's what it's like. That's what it's like. Um, for years, my wife and I, We lived in Philadelphia. We went to a wonderful church. And the pastor, before he would, you know, you read the passage, you know, he'd read the passage, and then at the end, he would say, he was Southern, so he sounded like this, the grass withers, and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And I don't remember a lot of his sermons, but I remember that. And so, Steph Curry, his glory bloomed, that flower bloomed, and it made me happy for about three weeks, (laughs) for about three weeks. That's a lot for sports. It's a lot. I mean, that was like, dude, that's a pretty good flower. And then it was over. (laughs) And you know what I'm doing today? I read the articles. I mean, he wasn't playing for a while. I was like, well, it's, it's no, 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 no flower. So here I am, I'm a professional Christian. I'm a professional Christian. I'm supposed to wake up on Monday and my rejoicing is not supposed to be in a flower that you throw away like grass. It's supposed to be, how how does the the passage put it? How does the passage put it? Oh yeah, something like this. Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Imperishable. Imperishable. Undefiled, fading. The verse ends like this. It says, and this part's, you know, the word of the Lord stands forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. It is the gospel. It's the gospel. So let's close with the gospel the everlasting glory of God in the gospel. And I want to close by telling you a story. And it's actually a true story. And I heard this from a different preacher many years ago. And um, I don't know the exact details. I can't remember the exact details. But I remember enough of it. And I'll tell you this story. It's a true story, okay? And then it'll, it'll help me get toward the gospel and we'll close out today's message, okay? So... If you've been a Christian for quite some time, maybe when you first came to know Jesus, you had the rejoicing because his blood was shed, your sins were washed away, and he was resurrected for you, and you knew now you had that promise. And then after you became a Christian for a while, it got a little old, (laughs) and it became habitual, and you started taking it for granted. And now some other flower of grass is starting to grasp after your heart, right? As I'll tell you the story, and I hope they'll help make the everlasting, undefiled glory of the gospel shine again for you, okay? There's a family, and they had two children. Um, The boy was young, something like seven years old or something like this. He's the older child, and they had a daughter, younger child, and she was very young. And I forget, she was, she had kidney failure. She was like three years old, and her kidney was failing, and there was no donor. And her body was starting to fade, and she wasn't going to make it. Now, a lot of you guys are very young in here, I don't know how many parents are in this room. I'm a parent, I have three children, right? And if that was happening to one of my kids, that would be a very, very serious trial. Whatever rejoicing was happening in my life would absolutely go out the window. There would be no rejoicing. There was no donor. There was one match, though. The match was the older brother. So pretty hard. You're asking a seven-year-old boy, give up a kidney. They didn't really want to do that. They had no other alternative. There was no other way to save their daughter's life. So they turned to their son and said, son, your sister is in trouble. She's not going to make it. Would you give up your kidney? You know, an American family, you know, like, you can't make them do it. So he thought, about it and he thought about it. He thought about it. He thought about it. He said, okay, I'll do it. So, you know, there's some time. He had to prep, get toward the, the operation. And, you know, they kept checking. Are you still okay? Are you still okay? Yes, I'm still okay. And in the, night, the night before the surgery came, and he got really, really sad. Okay. He got incredibly sad, and, and then, you know, the next day, before he was about to go to surgery, he started to uh, give everybody a hug, gave his mom a hug, dad a hug, grandparents, he started to hug everybody, And like, what are you doing? He said, well, you know, once they put me on the, and then they took out my kidney and gave it to my sister, aren't I going to die? parents looked at him and they were just absolutely floored (laughs) and they were utterly aghast because they realized nobody had ever explained to this seven year old boy that he has two kidneys and if they take one out he'll be okay so he had this burden (laughs) when they asked him for his kidney. He would give his, and he would die. <laughs> but he then knew his sister would live. This boy was asked this question multiple times. In his mind, he's like, the choice is give up my kidney and die, and, I, and she lives, or I keep my kidney, and I live. That was the choice to him. He said yes. He said yes. Parents wept and probably like gnashed their teeth and explained to him that's not the case. Isn't that incredible? You know that story? Why did I just tell you the story? It's a great story, isn't it? But it's not just a story about a family enduring a terrible trial it's actually your story it's my story it's a lot like that in your life if you have received the gospel there's another father and he had one glorious son and he had a lot of younger sons and daughters and they weren't so glorious they are very, very sick. It was far worse than kidney problem. In their hearts, they rejoice over idols, <laughs> over glories. Over glories that will be gone, and you throw it away, like the grass, the flower of the grass. They're so stuck on that. And they think, this is my glory. I'm going to be so happy. But they don't know it's only going to last for three weeks or 20 years or five years. But really, it'll probably just be a few months. And then you'll be on to the next one. Far worse than kidney failure. So the father turned to his son and said, you're the only one. Otherwise, all your little brothers and sisters will die. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> You're the only one. And in their case, he didn't have two. He didn't have no two kidneys where like, he was just going to be like, okay, I'm relieved. I guess I won't actually have to die. That son, he absolutely knew he was going to die. And when he died, he would bleed. And that blood would wash you with me. <laughs> Let's go to verse 18. I didn't read this in today's passage, just in the same chapter though. Let me close this way. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. What is the futile ways inherited from your forefathers? To rejoice over money and glories that will throw, you might as well throw away. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold. You were ransomed from the futile ways from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Do you know what ransom means? Ransom means there has to be a price paid to release you From captivity, that's what it means. We were captive to this sin sick idolatry, far worse than kidney failure. And not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. That's why he was the only one who paid. Let's close out, verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last days for the sake of you. I don't know if you know we're living in the last days. It's been 2,000 years of the last days. Not sure, but it's still the last days. The ultimate revelation has come, it's Jesus. Verse 21 Who through him are believers in God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. Who was given glory? Jesus, so that your faith and hope are in God. <laughs> Where is their glory? They'll never fade. Undefiled, imperishable. You know, we are a corrupt people and we live, we're used to being enslaved. Like, we probably like being enslaved. And we like turning to worthless saviors, like money. But Jesus came to ransom you from that enslavement. And to give you a glory that you could never lose. That's the gospel. And boy did he pay. Can you rejoice in that? (laughs) Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you to come back to that fundamental basic and rejoice in that. And tomorrow, on Monday, if your heart is cloudy, you know, turn off your phone and don't go to some other glory. Go to your knees and go to the glory that will never fade in Jesus. Would you go to that? Let's pray. i going to give you a time to respond. And our the worship team will come forward. And you could sing. You could pray. Think of all the things that you really love and how you find your great rejoicing. And is it in the glory given to you by grace when we did not deserve it to ransom you from fading, falling, small things. Would you let Jesus wash over you? Remember that blood washes over all these delusional loves. Today, right now, let me ask you to take whatever it is. Maybe it's music for you. Maybe it's your looks, maybe it's your career achievements. Maybe it's, you're hoping for the love of your life. Even the love of your life, (laughs) he or she, even if you get him or her, will be a glory that fades like the grass, the flower of grass. Would you place that glory into the hands of Jesus and let that be washed over by the glory of his blood, of his grace toward you? Match, take some time now and let you place that before him. And today, would you receive of his glory? Would you look towards your older brother who gave far more than his kidney? He gave of his blood so that he could give you his glory. Would you receive that today? When the music goes, there'll be people here waiting to receive you if you want to be received prayer. And I'll be up in front too if you want to be prayed for by me. Feel free to come forward and respond It's either to me or to one of the other people who are waiting for you. Let me pray and let's go to worship. Lord Jesus, to a people in captivity, to a people stuck on little glories, that barely can last more than three weeks. To a very intensely worldly city, we think all our wisdoms, just like soul, we're gonna do all these things and run this very, very terrible rat race for the small little glories of the world. But thank you that you responded to the call of the Father to come and give us a glory that's everlasting. Perishable and undefiled. Thank you for paying this great price for us. Pour out your spirit now upon us and let us be ransomed. Let us be captivated by you and enter to true freedom and everlasting glory. In Jesus' name.